Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fat Boys Dynasty Podcast presented by the uh, Fantasy Holics. Um, coming at you, Bo and Brant, uh, we're doing another uh, remote recording, but we're going to keep pumping these divisions out, keep getting it out to you guys. Uh, want to make sure you guys are getting ready because we are officially in draft season. It is August. We've had our first game. Uh, kind of, if you classify that as a game, I watched about the first three minutes um, and then turned it back on in the second half to see some of the other guys. Um, and we're getting into preseason now. It's, it's starting to get uh, it's starting to get real now. It's starting to come all together. Yeah, uh, you could you could call that that uh, Hall of Fame game a game in the sense that there was guys running around with pads and helmets on, right? But uh, it didn't last uh, too long with any big name players as it never does in the preseason. But yeah, we're back. It's draft season. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got to see uh, two series of Josh Jacobs, and that was probably the only real fantasy relevant player that was out there very long. Um, well, today we're going to cover the NFC West. I'm going to hit the uh, Rams and the Seahawks, and you got the Niners and the Cards. Um, so I think are are you ready to go, Bo? Yeah, I do. I do want to say real quick, Brant. It's good to be back, uh, but the timing couldn't be worse uh, as I have to vacate my house uh, due to my wife's daycare. And uh, sitting outside, I've currently got a helicopter that's doing some crop nesting on some fields near here, buzzing us. So if you hear a loud noise, that's just a helicopter. Where, where I'm not in Ukraine right now. <laughs> All right, as you uh, finish that up, we definitely caught that background noise coming through. Um, so I'll go ahead and get us kicked off. Um, I'm going to get us uh, kicked off with the defending champs, the NFC West, and the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Um, unfortunately, that does that means that my team is not the defending champ, so I don't get to talk about Seattle first. Uh, but we'll go over the Rams. And right out the gate, I'm going with my bust is Cam Akers. He's going as the 30th player off the board in, um, in, in most drafts. Um, he, he's going over players of the likes of uh, T. Higgins, Aaron Jones, and David Montgomery. Those are three names that I really like better than Cam Akers this year. And I know that you're sitting back probably chuckling because I believe it was just uh, two years ago how high I was on this man that I was willing to use uh, a first-round draft pick on him uh, last offseason prior to the uh, torn Achilles. Um, but it, he, so he's going just outside of that RB1. He's going as the RB14, I think. Yeah, the 14th RB off the board. So you're, you're taking this guy, if, if you went two wide receivers first, you're taking this guy to be your RB1, or you're taking this guy to be your RB2. And I'm sorry, he returned from a, a torn Achilles after six months, um, and, and that torn Achilles is a 9- to 12-month um, recovery. I know that he's, you know, got the offseason and everything else. He gets to come back. But that's probably one of the worst injuries a um, running back can have. And uh, when he came back so early, he just didn't look as a, as, as explosive. Um, prime example, I'll knock out the first game week 18 when he did come back because he only had five carries there. So I won't even take those stats into consideration. I'm going to take into the, the, the playoffs where they played um, – where he saw, um, where did I have it? 67 attempts. He averaged 2.6 yards per touch and had zero touchdowns. And that includes a game against, um, now I know, I know, uh, it was against the, um, Tampa Bay Bucks, but he, 
I mean, he saw he saw twenty plus touches in that game and still couldn't really do a whole lot with him. So, I mean, it's a guy that that I just can't trust to be an RB one because even when he was out, this is going to bring me into my sleeper here. I'm going to run it all together. Even when he's out, Daryl Henderson was very very serviceable in thirteen games last year. Daryl Henderson finished as the um, RB twenty seven in all PPR leagues. And, um, I mean, he averaged 4.6 yards per carry. I see your chuckle over there as we're, as we're chit-chatting back and forth. Um, and and Daryl Henderson's going as 143rd player off the board. So you're telling me almost 100, almost 100 picks later, I can throw a dart at Daryl Henderson, and if something happens to Cam Akers coming back from this devastating injury, I get a, I get a starting running back because Sonny Michelle's now out. Um so it's it's really just those two, Carry on Williams, who they did draft, who I absolutely loved coming out of this draft. It, it is already done pretty much, you know, missing all of training camp. I don't think he makes an impact in this backfield at all this year. So you're looking at Akers and Henderson are the only two guys. They're splitting 50-50 work at training camp right now. Nobody's taking over the lead back. So 100%, I'm not taking the risk of Cam Akers that early in a draft when later on down the road I can throw that dart at Daryl Henderson, who in my mind is probably a more um, serviceable pass-catching back than Cam Akers is. So I, it, 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 tread lightly if you are if you do trust trust Cam, you've got to tread lightly. That's, that's a guy that you just can't put all your faith into. Yeah. Brant, you know, I'm chuckling because this is the same argument you and I had last year for several weeks leading up to uh, draft season uh, where I was fading Cam Akers due to Daryl Henderson. uh, And uh, now how the tables have turned, you're you're starting to see the light of day, and I'm I'm proud of you. Just a a little bit of a late learner there, but uh, you're spot on. Uh, You know, obviously Cam Akers – uh, the excitement was real when he came out of Florida State. That backfield was pretty much wide open to anybody uh, after you know Todd Gurley left, uh, and Cam Akers looked really good that one year, and then not so much since. Um, and Daryl Henderson has been nothing short of spectacular when he get when he's given the chance. Uh, that's that's just a backfield that you know if if I own one, I, I I'd have to own both. Um, but yeah, if if I couldn't get both, I'd much rather be I'd be much more comfortable with Daryl Henderson at his ADP than I would be uh, with Cam Akers at his. So you're you're spot on there with me. Absolutely, and and that that rolls us back to that argument that we had last year leading up to uh, the torn Achilles. Is um, apparently I didn't dig deep enough, but. Um, you were right. I'll say it. It's like trying to tell my wife that she's right. I don't want to admit it, but I'll tell you, you're right. Uh, Henderson outproduced him in almost every aspect of the game during during Cam Akers' rookie year. So I just don't see really how 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 missing an entire year with the torn Achilles is going to make you better than than Daryl Henderson. You're you're an equal right now, and and unless you get back to the explosive way you were in Florida State, I don't see how you take over that backfield. So I'm going to jump into uh, my stud um, of the uh, Rams, and um, this is a, a cop-out, easy way out here. Uh, so we're going to go with uh, Cooper Cup. Uh, there's not much to say. He's Stafford's go-to target. He's Stafford's breakfast buddy. He's Stafford's lunch buddy. Um, he's a triple crown winner. He's going to be a PPR stud, no matter where you. Now I'm not telling him to go. No, I'm not telling you to go jump over Jonathan Taylor and, and Najee Harris and all that. I do see a little regression coming for Cooper Cup, but there's no way that man does not finish inside the top ten of PPR. Um, it, it, he's he's a safe guy as long as he's healthy. And I mean, 
that there's nothing else you can really say about Cooper Cup besides you know he's going to be that guy in LA. Um, any anything else you want to add to that one? Yeah, you know, uh, my two cents on Cooper Cup is I actually think Allen Robinson will hurt Cooper Cup's value much more significantly uh, than OBJ or Robert Woods ever did. Um, so I do actually see a way, and, and it's an outside way, but I see a way for for uh, Cooper Cup to miss the top ten. Um, but it would it would have to be a complete resurgence of Allen Robinson um, and. Uh, not to say I don't think that happens, but like you said, the chemistry is too good right now between Cup and Stafford, so it, it's probably more le- likely than not that he does finish still inside the top ten. But uh, Allen Robinson, in my mind, is a threat to that. Absolutely. Um, which, thanks for that segue into my uh, breakout player, is Allen Robinson. This is a man that is, has three top ten finishes in PPR leagues. With could you tell me who any of his real quarterbacks were besides Justin Fields for a little bit last year before he decided he really didn't want to play for the Bears no more? This is by far the best quarterback Allen Robinson has had in his entire career. Um, and this guy's going, he's going in the eighth round of his ADP is an eighth round draft pick. So this guy could almost become the easiest and biggest steal of most redrafts and dynasty leagues. He's only 28 years old. He's playing with the best quarterback and one of the most pass-happy offenses in the NFL. There's there's just – I mean, he's an upgraded version, like you said. He's an upgraded version of Robert Woods. And I, I think his value is, as of right now from what we've seen, his value is even better than that of OBJ when he went over to – um, the Rams. So Allen Robinson's a guy that that I'm definitely I'm, I'm stealing in any redraft leagues, any dynasty leagues that I'm sitting there in the eighth ninth round, and Allen Robinson sitting there staring at me. This is a guy he's going outside of wide receiver three range as the 40th wide receiver off the board. Stafford's good enough to um, I'm sorry, uh, yeah Stafford's good enough to to support two wide receivers in that offense. Um, so I absolutely love that that this guy, like I said, he's going outside the wide receiver three range, and, and I don't see a way that he doesn't finish even a low-tier wide receiver two, maybe a high-tier wide receiver three. This guy could easily be one of the biggest steals in all drafts during this offseason. Uh, Blake Bortles, by the way, is uh, is uh, another great, fantastic quarterback that uh, Allen Robinson got to play with. Yeah, yeah, amazing, phenomenal. <laughs> So that really sums it up for the Rams. Uh, like I said, I kind of put my sleeper and, and the sleeper and the stud kind of went to went together hand in hand. What? Yeah. So I mean, the the Rams' offense is going to be a fun one to uh, really watch this year. Uh, that backfield is just something that I don't want to touch. The wide receivers, I don't. I'm not a big fan of passing on the wide receivers there. So I mean, with the Rams, just enjoy that offense. Get yourself a little piece of it. Yeah, Brand, I completely agree. Um, let's talk about another uh, offense that was really high, high paced, uh, high flying, if you will, last year in that division. Uh, we'll go ahead and move right on in, into the Arizona Cardinals here, um, and I, and I'm going to go ahead and, and and start with the stud here because this one to me is um, probably the probably the easiest portion of this uh, that I had for the Cardinals, uh, and we're going to go ahead and go with Trey Lance, much in a similar way to the way that um, you got the wrong team there buddy what's that you said the cardinals then you just said trey lance 
I'm sorry, Kyler Murray. I'm excited about Trey Lance, and I'm going to get into him later. <laughs> uh, but we're going to talk about Kyler Murray now. Um, Kyler Murray, excuse me, is uh, a guy that I get excited about for fantasy in a very similar way that I do to Lamar with Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, I have uh, DeAndre Hopkins, as you know, in, in a dynasty league rant and. Uh, I, I much preferred uh, the version of DeAndre Hopkins with Deshaun Watson to what I got last year. Um, but again, that could be more of the offensive flow with the Cardinals and more of where DeAndre Hopkins is at in his career now. Um, but Kyler Murray is, is, is that guy, you know, that uh, when he takes off with his legs, uh, it gets exciting, right? Um, and so if you look back at, at his 2020 season, which was really, you know, his, his great big year right um you know he threw for 26 touchdowns that year and, and added another 11 on the ground um you know when you when you can get double digit touchdowns out of a single position um of one player that's that's really really awesome uh especially for a quarterback um you know again a quarterback's position that if you have one of those top even you know what eight nine guys maybe uh it's it's something you don't ever have to think about with your with your position there and you get to spend more time focusing on uh, excuse me, other parts of your roster. Uh, so so for that reason, I've got Kyler Murray as my stud. Um, we'll move right on into my breakout here. And my breakout um, is a rookie that I have coming into Arizona this year uh, in the way of tight end Trey McBride um, coming out of, out of Colorado State University. Um, you know, with Trey McBride in the tight end position, Brant, it's, it's been much of the uh, way here in the recent um, – recent memory at least of tight ends coming on and having a pretty good impact like right out the gates right obviously you had Kyle Pitts last year you had Pat Fearmuth last year um and I I expect this class to have some guys come out and do the same thing from that tight end position and, and Trey McBride's one that I could see doing that you know um in this year's class in a lot of people's mind Trey McBride was the tight end one um and you know, uh, Trey McBride in his collegiate career um, was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, you know, last year at Colorado State, he had 90 receptions for 1,200 or excuse me, 1,121 yards, averaged 12.5 yards a catch, uh, and only had one touchdown last year, which isn't great. Uh, but in in the Arizona offense uh, that has Zach Ertz. Um, who's not getting any younger. I, it wouldn't shock me at all to see this guy come on and get some run as the tight end two, uh, maybe give uh, Zach Ertz some breaks in between time. Uh, and if this guy gets a rhythm with Kyler Murray down in the red zone or even even across the middle of the field, you know, when they're, when they're just driving the ball, um, this guy's value is going to go up. And, you know, it used to be back in the day that, you know, we, the rule of thumb was with wide receivers. They took about two years to really break onto the scene, develop, uh, and get up to game speed. And tight ends, it used to be about three years. And, and that's kind of, you know, gone with these uh, – the caliber of athletes we're getting out of colleges and stuff now. Um, and I, I, I really think Trey McBride's a guy that could catch on really quick. Um, and could, you know, uh, burst onto the scene, not only just this year, but, you know, early and often. Absolutely, absolutely. Like you like you alluded to, that uh, um, Ertz isn't getting any younger. Um, 
and they're you know missing six games uh, is is Hopkins. So McBride's probably going to get a chance to run out there. They also lost Christian Kirk. They have a lot of vacated targets in that in that offense, and uh, I definitely could see him taking a small step this year and a giant leap come next year. Because um, like uh, most tight ends don't break out in their first year in the NFL, but this has got a, a guy that definitely. Um, you could see getting a, a decent amount of run throughout the beginning of the year, and like you, and, and I'm gonna run back to your uh, Kyler Murray. Um, as you see everything coming out about the whole Call of Duty and everything else on the Kyler Murray situation, don't let that scare you off too much of him. He, his ADP is too good to be um, passing on on Kyler Murray with his rushing upside. It's 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 too good to um, just let sit there and pass up. Yeah, no doubt, Brant, no doubt. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to move right on into a, to my sleeper here, and this is a guy I think that's going to be a, a beneficiary, if you will, of um, Kyler Murray uh, having a good year, and that's that's Rondale Moore. Um, listen, I know everybody's hyped up about Marquise Brown coming to town, um, and, you know, everybody's talking about Marquise is going to explode those first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. Um, it, it can't just be Marquise Brown doing everything. Um, you know, they, they lost Christian Kirk this year. Um, they did re-sign A.J. Green. Um, but Rondale Moore is coming into his second season. Uh, and, you know, last year wasn't a great rookie year for him. You know, he finished with one touchdown, 64 targets, 54 receptions, 434, 435 yards. So not, not a great rookie year. Um, but, you know, this guy – was out of Purdue was somebody that a lot of people were really excited about when he came out. Um, and you know, his freshman year at Purdue back in 2018, he had 114 receptions for 1,258 yards, 12 touchdowns. So he was really drafted based on that freshman year. He did have two more seasons at Purdue where he kind of, he kind of dropped down a little bit and there were some injuries that took place and, and played a factor into that. Um, but Rondale Moore's a guy that, you know, if, you know, with DeAndre Hopkins out, Marquise Brown drawing the ones, I I wouldn't be shocked at all to see this guy come out and put up an 800-yard uh, season with, you know, maybe five or six touchdowns. Um, and for where it, uh, Rondale Moore finished last year and what Rondale Moore accomplished last year, that'd be a really good season. Um, and, again, I, I still think when DeAndre Hopkins comes back after that six-game suspension – He's going to step right back into that one role, regardless of who was doing what. So it's going to be really a race, in my mind, between Rondale Moore and Marquise Brown to develop that early chemistry um, with Kyler. And again, I know Kyler and Marquise Brown play together at Oklahoma, uh, but Rondale Moore was also with Kyler last year. So there's some chemistry there, too. Um, but again, I think whichever one of them builds that rapport and, and Kyler gets really comfortable with is the one that you're going to see to continue to do that once um, Antonio, or uh, excuse me, DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Um, and, and right now I'm, I'm leaning towards um, Rondale Moore just for the simple fact that I think you're going to see Marquise Brown draw on the ones there. Absolutely, and 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 uh, both both receivers are explosive, 
And if you have them bonus plays of the 40, 50-yard touchdowns or receptions, both these guys are a guy that I would love to own in Brown and more. And I just I see more as, as more of a PPR upside than Brown because you're going to see more getting – I think you're going to see more getting the screen passes and the quick dump-off routes and, and the short slants. And this guy, like I said, he's, he's so explosive, he could easily turn any of those into a touchdown at any time. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you hit the nail on the head there with more. I'm a more – more excited for more than I am a Hollywood Brown this year. Yeah, and and so again, perfect segue here, and it, and it's always it always trips me out, and I know it trips you out when we're this in sync, um, which means there's there's bound to be an argument coming at some point in fantasy football. May not be on the podcast this week, but we may come to blows at work this week over a name <laughs> that we disagree on. I don't know, but when we're when we're this in sync, things happen. Um, so let's talk about my dud for the Cardinals, and that is none other than Marquise Hollywood Brown, okay? And my rationale and reason behind this is, again, simply just due to the fact that, you know, people are way over the top excited about Marquise Brown after that trade um, due to DeAndre Hopkins' suspension. Had DeAndre Hopkins not been suspended, I don't think this would be making that big a headways. But, again, let's let's talk about the quarterback play. Kyler Murray is a very exciting quarterback for fantasy. Uh, The same way Lamar Jackson is a very exciting quarterback for fantasy. They do great things with their legs. They make plays happen, but they're not great at passing the football. Okay. They leave a lot to be desired when it comes to, uh, you know, what, what we get from, from our wideouts that play on those teams. You know, uh, like I said, DeAndre Hopkins was frustrating at times last year. There'd be times where he'd finish as a top 10 wideout on the week and there'd be other times where it's like he'd fall off and he, he, he's non-existent. Uh, so right now, Marquise Brown is being drafted as the 60, 62nd overall player. So again, in 12-man leagues, you're seeing him go in the fifth round. And, um, you know, I think the problem for me with that is that you're drafting a guy that high that I don't expect to continue to be the one when DeAndre Hopkins comes back. Um, and Kyler Murray's not the guy that I, I look at as substantiating, you know, three top 30 wide receivers like you could see out of like Joe Burrow potentially or, you know, even two top 20 and, and where like guys like Kirk Cousins or Joe Burrow can do. Uh, I, I just don't expect to see that from, from Kyler Murray because of the way he does use his legs. Um, and, you know, again, um, last year uh, – Marquise Brown had 146 targets for 91 receptions in that Baltimore offense. Okay, I don't expect to see him to, for him to see 146 targets in Arizona. I just don't see it happening. Uh, and so I'm I'm really taking a, a, a field or a, excuse me a pass on uh, Marquise Brown this year. I, I don't want I don't want him um, mainly because of where his price tag is at. Uh, if you can think back in our in our original dynasty league that you and I were a part of, uh, the value and the trade that was given up to get Marquise Hollywood Brown this year um, was a premium, and I, I just don't I just don't see it. Uh, I want to see what that offense looks like with, when all of DeAndre Hopkins, Marquise Brown, and Rondale Moore are on the field before I'm willing to 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 go after a guy like Marquise. Absolutely, um, the the first six weeks is it. it that's the issue is normally in fantasy the first six weeks is kind of the outlier for your players how am i really going to look going into the rest of the season am i going to be able to make that playoff push 
Well, if you draft anybody outside of Kyler Murray in that offense, that running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, you're not going to be able to see that because one of the best wide receivers in the NFL is out for the first six weeks, unfortunately. And he's going to come back in, and he already has the chemistry with Kyler Murray. He's going to change that entire offense when he gets back. He's going to change all the defensive schemes when he comes back. So it, it's it's really hard to judge those players when that happens, when, when, you're, when your best guy is really missing the first part of the, the season. So, um, yeah, Arizona is just one of those teams that uh, um, – that I, I just I, I love I love the upside of that team, but I, I don't know how I feel about wanting to wait for them. Yeah, you know, Brand, it was well. The hard part for me was to pick a dud in this in this offense because I felt like I could have won a number of ways. I felt like James Conner would have been an easy one to put there. I feel like Zach Ertz could have been an easy one to put there. Heck, for that matter, DeAndre Hopkins would have been an easy one to put there. There, there was just too many names uh, that could be a dud, uh, and it, it's really kind of scary when you look at it because it's like uh, maybe that's the new the new offense that. I'm going to shy away from just because I don't know how it's going to work out or how it's going to look. And there's so many big, high prolific names in that offense. Um, but again, I, I just, like you alluded to, until you can see them all on the field, which, uh, you know, you're really not going to get the true um, view of what this offense is going to be until about week eight after DeAndre Hopkins gets some time to be back in that scheme and, you know, running with the ones and, and, back in that that game speed there there goes the helicopter again i know i know you hear it um but yeah it's uh it's gonna be one of those things where the the offense is gonna take some time to gel when everybody comes back uh and so that's really scary because that playoff push that you you had alluded to and we're talking about is gonna be right around that time where we really start to see what the arizona offense is gonna be because everybody should be on the field at that point Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's going to roll me straight into uh, my next team. So that jumps me into the Seattle Seahawks, um, who uh, finished at the um, near the bottom, and it was uh, a painful season for me as a, a Seahawks fan. Um, but I'm going to jump straight into this. My dud, my bust, is going to be DK Metcalf. The man, he's being drafted as the 12th overall wide receiver off the board. He... And so that's wide receiver run one territory in a run heavy offense and a run first offense with um let's just say a mediocre quarterback to be nice regardless of who starts um and in in the weeks that Geno started last year DK only saw targets of 7, 5 and 6 in those 3 weeks where Geno started I know short sample size but he only finished as a wide receiver one in one of those weeks, and that was solidified by a two-touchdown performance along, I believe, was a deep 48-yard touchdown on blown coverage where he was standing there wide open. So I just I just don't see how he can produce at a wide receiver one level with a, in a run-heavy offense with a mediocre quarterback um, with 19 different tight ends that we probably have on our roster, as you always tell me. I just don't see how he can live up to a wide receiver one number. I don't see – I just can't see it. I don't see in the relevancy of Seattle supporting a top 12 wideout. It's it's not saying, you know, DK won't be good, but you're telling me at a um, – um, 
you're telling me at a, a wide receiver one, I've got a, or at the the end of the first, beginning middle of second, I have to draft DK Metcalf. I, I just I think I'm gonna have to. I think I'm just gonna have to swing swing away on that one and and, and bypass on it. I just can't trust him as my wide receiver one. So I'm, I'll, I'll jump. Yeah, straight. Oh, you, know, you know, I, that, it's it's fair, Brant, because uh, you know last year, obviously, with both uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, quarterback play was never an issue with with Russ, right? And uh, with Russ out of town and Drew Locke and Geno Smith competing for the starting job, um, yeah, it, it's real easy to fade those wideouts. Uh, yeah, Jimmy G. If if you guys end up, you know, if if the 49ers let Jimmy G. Go and, and you guys end up able to sign Jimmy G. That may be the saving grace for this this pass catching core there in Seattle. Um, but otherwise, Brand, I completely agree with you. Um, DK's value definitely takes a hit, and as as does any other pass catcher with the uh, the uh, loss of Russell Wilson there in Seattle. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which brings me to the whole point of of a stud. So we've talked about a stud for every single team. Who's the stud on this team? Who's the stud on that team? Well, there's not one in Seattle. There is zero players on this offense that I 100% would trust to produce fantasy relevance numbers week in and week out. And if you honestly want me to pick a player I got to trust, I got to trust Michael Dixon, our punter, because I feel like he may be on the field more than a whole lot of players. So I I, I, tr- I tried. I've been sitting here like for the last two weeks, like who's who's going to be my stud for this team? There isn't one. Um, back, you know, back with Russell, you could have talked about Russ. With DK, you could have talked about, you know, with Russ and DK. But, yeah, I just, I just can't find it. Which um, that's going to roll me into my – I'm going to go to my sleeper because this is, this is just uh, – Unnecessary for it to be a sleeper um, is Tyler Lockett. He's going as the 116th player off the board. The man's finished the last four seasons inside the top 20 as wideouts. He has one of the most trusted hands in the NFL for catching. I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to go up and out jump a lot of wide receivers or a lot of corners, I mean, but Tyler Lockett is just. He, He's always been Russ's most trusted guy. He's always been the safety blanket for Russ. I know Russ is out of town, but Pete's still there. And I'm sorry, giving me Tyler Lockett in the 10th round in most drafts, I really feel like Lockett could end up being the safety valve, safety blanket there for any of the mediocre quarterbacks that we're starting. Um, even if, even if, as you alluded to, even if Jimmy G comes to town, I think that Lockett is, he's the most veteran tight end on the team. He's the most veteran skill position player on the team. I really feel like you, you getting, like I said, Lockett in the 10th round, that's, that's, I don't know how you're talking about a guy that's finished inside the top 20 as a as a sleeper. Um, so, but yeah, that that's my sleeper. It's Tyler Lockett. That that's a guy that I would love to throw a dart latently, late in drafts and everything else on. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's funny that you know you, you leave out the the stud from the team and then talk about a guy in the last four seasons who's been a top twenty wide receiver. Uh, but I definitely understand where you're coming from, and again, it, it all goes back to that quarterback issues, uh, and uh, it'll be interesting because there'll still be value from Seattle. Uh, for fantasy, it's just going to be: is it Rashad Penny this week? Is it Kenneth Walker this week? Is it DK Metcalf this week? Is it Tyler Lockett? Uh, it, it's just going to be one of those things where I, I don't think you see sustained success fantasy wise for any of those four guys. But I think 
each week one of those four guys will be you know up there in their fantasy value at that position for the week yeah, absolutely absolutely which it, that, that's gonna bring me into my breakout I already talked about how how this is a run heavy run first offense my breakout is Rashad Penny He's taken all the team one snaps in camp. He's 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 back to being healthy um, for now. Um, but I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. That that's um, that's that, that's going to really bring up something here. Um, he finished as a top ten back in the last like four weeks of the season. He was averaging 19, 19 fantasy points per game. Um, so I mean, we've already seen what he's capable of. He's he's probably the most explosive player on the Seahawks. Now we talk about his health. Well, during his downtime, not downtime, during his injury time while he was down in Seattle, and we brought in Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was actually working hand in hand with Rashard Penny on working on how to take hits, how to avoid the contact, how to lessen the chance of injury. And then you saw Penny come back, and he actually got to play more than one or two games, and. I really think that he took a lot of the veteran help from Adrian Peterson to heart. So I really could see this being Penny's real breakout year, um, and, and and unfortunately, it's going to come as the at, you know, and it is his fourth season. But I, I really feel like Penny's going to take that backfield, and I don't think an injury will be the only thing that's going to make him relinquish this. Um, and I'm sorry, in the Seattle offense, he's probably seeing 20 plus carries a game. Um, because we gotta keep we gotta keep our defense off the off the field because I mean we all saw how many points they can give up last year. So yeah, Penny Penny's a guy that I absolutely love snaking in all my drafts late. Um, I actually traded for him in the offseason of this dynasty league. Um, in dynasty he does have one year left, but um, I think that if he if he can prove to stay healthy this year, I really feel like he's going to stay in Seattle. Yeah, you know, Penny's Penny's one of those that, you know, the talent's definitely there, obviously, right, dating back to his first-round draft capital. uh, It's just been a matter of of getting him to stay healthy, and the hamstrings have been issues, and, you know – but the door is completely wide open there in Seattle with uh, with Chris Carson uh, and his neck injury. And, you know, they brought in Kenneth Walker, and everybody's reaching for him and and real excited for him. And I do think Kenneth Walker ultimately ends up being the guy in Seattle – but is that a matter of because Penny gets hurt, or is it a matter of because Kenneth Walker takes over and actually uh, does well? I don't know because if Penny doesn't get hurt, I don't. I think it's going to be hard for Walker to get it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Seattle's um, also one of those teams that, it, it, like we already alluded to with DK, if it's not later in the draft, I'm not investing much into this offense. I'm investing my bench spots in this offense right now um, because. You alluded to the possibility of Jimmy G coming to Seattle, but the odds are all pointing in favor of Seattle drafting a new QB next year. So it's going to be a whole new offense. Um, Pete's not getting any younger. Um, you and me have no, joked no, about he's not. you and me have joked about the fact that he may not even realize that he's still coaching with how old he's up there in age. Love you, Pete. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's time for a complete overhaul on the Seahawks, and unfortunately I'll have to sit there and, and go through the rebuilding years of them. Um, but I, I'm ready for it, and um, it, when it comes to fantasy-wise, Seattle's in a rebuild. They may not admit it, but they are in a rebuild. So um, kind of fade this offense and, and tread very lightly with your expectations. 
Yeah, it, it, it's tough when you have to talk about your team and fantasy ex- expectations because, you know, uh, if you can think back to the first week when we broke down the NFC South, I, I obviously wanted to be able to have a lot of great things to say about my Atlanta Falcons, and it was very similar to uh, to your take here on uh, your, your Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but, Brand, if you're ready, let's wrap this division up. Let's move right on into the 49ers, uh, and, and let's get into this. And, I, and I'm going to start this one out. Uh, with my stud Uh, and this is one brand that I'm going to be really high on here and uh, you know thinking back to last year this is a guy that I wanted him everywhere I could get him last year Uh, you know on on my 55 breakout candidates that I probably mentioned in the (laughs) offseason this one I this one I got right and I was really proud of it and and it's none other than Debo Samuel Uh, and and listen last year Debo did some things that that we've not seen before um, and you know the 59 rushing attempts and having eight rushing touchdowns last year to go along with six receiving touchdowns um, was just insane. And and this guy, the number that really pops off the page for me to deep with Debo is his average uh, yards when he caught the ball, and that was 18.2 yards. Uh, so you're you're telling me that this guy gets the ball in his hands and he's picking up a first down every single time he does it, and then eight more yards um there's value to that and any intelligent head coach is going to find a way to get the ball in his hands and kyle shanahan may be one of the smartest head coaches in the national football league listen um i've got some bitter feelings towards kyle shanahan uh you know the way he, he left atlanta when we were at our weakest moment after losing the super bowl in the fashion that we did uh, and taking over the uh, san francisco uh, head coaching gig but listen you the one thing you can say about him is the man's intelligent and um you know debo all offseason was i want to be paid like a wide receiver i don't want to run the ball well in training camp Debo's lining up in the backfield already so uh, i would say that's not something we need to worry about Debo's gonna they're gonna find a way to get the ball in debo's hands uh and it's pretty electric when he does that Okay, so I, I don't want to spend too much time on on my my stud or my next spot, which is going to be my breakout, uh, and that's going to be Trey Lance, who I alluded to earlier. Um, Trey Lance is a guy that um, I'm extremely excited about. I think he's got the same or similar mobility to that of you know Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, who we talked about uh, in length earlier. Um, but he also has a great arm, okay? And that's that gives me reason to be excited. Uh, you know, now there is some hesitations, obviously, about the school he went to uh, in college, you know, with North Dakota State. Um, but, I mean, the guy threw one interception in, you know, his three years of collegiate football. Um, granted, he only played a few games his, his junior year there in 2020 before he came out. Um but in 2019, he, he was he was electric. 28 touchdowns with zero interceptions. Uh, this is a guy that can come in and light the scoreboard up quick, and he's got tons of weapons, right? Uh, you know, he's got George Kittle. He's got Debo Samuel. He's got Brandon Ayuk. Uh, there, there's there's just plenty of names there, and uh, this is one that I'm, I'm very excited about, and uh, I think he's he's going to – you know, take the reins and, and it's, it's not going to be a, a thing that ever gets questioned again. So I'm, I'm really excited about him here. Um, yeah, we saw, we saw what, uh, we saw what Trey Lance is capable of in, in the few games that he was able to uh, um, step in and play and, and, um, 
we saw his rushing upside in the, in the design plays for him. So, yeah, Trey Lance is definitely a, a guy that I know that you've been excited for since he came out. I mean, I'm pretty sure you drafted him in our dynasty. I did. Um, I did. And, and have, have stashed Rookie draft. Yeah. Rookie you, draft, yes. And you've stashed him and you've held on I to did. him. And, and I'm, I'm pretty sure you've kind of come out and um, – Maybe not stated it. I believe you uh, quoted Ted DiBiase that everyone's got a price, but uh, his is a little higher than it probably should be in, in your eyes. And and I definitely see why um, going back and looking at that. And uh, with Debo, um, Debo's a guy that, um, like you alluded to, he, he was very, very smart with his contract. Um, he made sure that I'm getting paid both ways, and I absolutely love uh, – um, I, I don't know if I really like his, his ADP – but I think that he may be able to live up to that hype. I'm actually um, excited to see how this offense works under Trey Lance, and um, so yeah, this this is uh, those those are two players that I'm actually kind of excited to see. I don't own any stock. I don't think in any of the Niners, um, but I'm definitely willing to sit back and watch and see how this goes because this could be a very intriguing young team to uh, invest in a lot of a lot of in the future years. Yeah, so let, let's talk about the investing in, in young players, okay? Um, and we're going to go into my dud here, but my dud and my sleeper are going to be combined with one another uh, in a way. My dud is, is going to be Elijah Mitchell, and I know this is going to be one that a lot of people are going, well, wait a minute, Elijah Mitchell looked great last year. And, you know, you're right. Elijah Mitchell did look really good last year. 200, 207 attempts last year. Um, he had... 963 yards, averaged 4.7 yards per carry, uh, and five touchdowns to go along with that, and then had 19 receptions, 137 yards, and one touchdown. You know, it, it it's good numbers on the surface, but here's the thing, right? We talked about Kyle Shanahan, and the one thing that's always true about Kyle Shanahan is running back-wise, he likes to run guys in and out, and he likes to feed the hot hand. Okay, and we've seen that in the past with guys like, you know, uh, uh, Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert and um, you know the the plethora goes on to Michael Hasty, Jeff Wilson Jr. I mean all these guys have gotten run and carries in that backfield and you know a lot of people are really excited about Elijah Mitchell and to me the excitement on Elijah Mitchell Brand, is a lot like pooping your pants and being excited about it because they weren't your favorite pair of pants okay that's that's kind of my analogy on uh, <laughs> Elijah a- Mitchell, <laughs> and, and it and it's not again. It's not to say that uh, Elijah Mitchell's not capable. It's just I don't expect this this trend of Elijah Mitchell being a feature back in San Fran to continue. Again, you've still got uh, Trey Sermon, who again he got himself into a little bit of a, a, a dog bed, if you will, or the doghouse, if you will, with Kyle Shanahan last year, but he's still on the roster. They drafted Tyrion David Price out of or Davis Price out of LSU. Uh, you know they still have Jamichael Hasty. They still have Jeff Wilson Jr. There's still guys on this roster, and I promise you, Elijah Mitchell is not more talented than you know guys like Raheem Mostert were or guys like Tevin Coleman were. And those guys all still got cycled through that backfield, right? So for me, again, to put large amounts of stake in saying, yeah, I've got my RB2 on my roster solidified because I have Elijah Mitchell there. Uh, to me, that just makes me really uncomfortable. Um, and uh, again, much in the way it would if I if I pooped my pants and I was sitting in that poop, I'd be very uncomfortable. Uh, 
And, you know, I, I, I just think there's, <coughs> excuse me, there's better options. Uh, and again, I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, halfway through the season we're saying, hey, um, who'd have thought Jermichael Hasty was going to be getting as much run as he is, or Jeff Wilson Jr. is getting it again, or, you know, what happened to Trey Sermon? Again, last year in the draft, Trey Sermon was drafted, what, four rounds, three rounds in front of Elijah Mitchell? Um, so it, it's, I don't think Elijah Mitchell's the most talented back in that field. He just happened to be playing really good at the right times last year. And again, I think the sleeper for this team then has to become whichever of the eight running backs steps up. Okay, San Fran's running back situation is very similar in the way that Seattle's tight end used to be. There was 85 of them on the roster, and when they narrow it down to the 56 man, it's like ah, or the 52, whatever it is. We got we got to figure this out. Let's let's move all these tight ends to different positions. We'll put them at the defensive line. You know, a safety back here, maybe a backup kicker. That way we can roster these guys. It's the same way with the San Fran backfield, Brant, and it's. You know, we, we have all these guys on the roster and, you know, obviously injuries happen. But again, if, if you see Trey Sermon get a chance and Trey Sermon, you know, goes, gets six carries and has 50 yards and two touchdowns, he's going to get more carries than six the next week. Okay. And, and who does that cut into? Well, it cuts into Elijah Mitchell. And uh, this is a really uh, uh, passionate take I'm giving you right now. And I own zero stakes in the San Fran backfield. So... <laughs> It, it's purely observation for me at this point, but uh, I, I just that that is one player on this team that I'd be fading uh, at his ADP just because Kyle Shanahan is 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 done, has been a head coach for long enough now that we know he doesn't just run out one running back similarly to the way Bill Bill Belichick does with New England. You never know who the guy's going to be. Same way with with Kyle Shanahan. I just don't trust Elijah Mitchell. Absolutely, absolutely. I've been I've been. Uh... Uh, preaching that too is is Mitchell got his run because Sermon got put in the doghouse. He got banged up. He was having fumbling issues, and then you go and you add more stock that I believe Davis Price was around the same uh, draft capital as Elijah Mitchell, if not more in 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 the NFL draft. So, excuse me. Um, I, I you and then then you add Debo Samuel in there too, taking taking um carries and getting that in his contract that he takes so many carries gets so many yards it, it's absolutely crazy how much they use in the backfield and we we saw that all the way back to i believe shanahan back in uh, atlanta we saw saw him use multiple backs in his offensive scheme and, and and you alluded to it perfectly is is you never know which hot hand you're going to see that week because if sermon come we'll say Mitchell starts out that week and has a fumble, and then all of a sudden Sermon comes in and he's ripping off 10, 15-yard runs. Well, guess what? You're stuck with that negative points from Mitchell because he's not getting back in that game. So, absolutely, I'm, I don't like that backfield. I don't touch that backfield. We just did a huge um, 20-some round draft, fantasy draft, and it took me almost to like the 25th round before I took Trey Sermon, before I was willing and semi-comfortable with touching somebody in that backfield. It's just, I don't I don't know how how week to week it's going to pan out for the San Francisco 49ers, and it, I hate it. I hate it as a Seahawks fan too because I don't know what to expect whenever we play him. Are we gonna, you know, expect a whole or uh, expect which running back we're going to expect? And and so yeah, the the Niners are just. I absolutely love the quarterback situation, Debo. I love Ayuk. But even in camp, this is what I wanted to hit. Even in camp, we're not hearing any running backs' names stand out. 
We heard some people praise how Trey Sermon looks, but that's about the only bit of news that I've heard out of the Niners camp, according to the running backs. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't again invested a lot of time looking up to what or looking into what the guys are doing there because I don't own any of them, obviously. Um, but Brand, I did want to point out, Tyrion Davis Price was drafted with the 29th pick in the third round. Okay, so that's pretty high draft capital capital uh, on this guy mm-hmm. when you could the fact that Kenneth Walker uh, and Brees Hall, uh, if, if I'm if I'm not mistaken here, were the two backs taken before this guy came off the board. Correct. Um, so obviously, San Fran sees something here, has a, had a reason to go get this guy. Um, granted, uh, you know, San Fran's offensive line and defense are, are both, you know, fairly talented, and there's not a whole lot of holes there, but I, I can't imagine that uh, if they thought Elijah Mitchell was the guy that they couldn't have used a third round pick on something better suited to their team. Uh, so again, it just, it further, uh, further makes me confident in the fact that Kyle Shanahan wants to run multiple backs through this offense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just, you know, there's a lot of teams in this division to tread lightly with. Um, and I feel like this is one of the biggest, um, Divisions that that we broke down that actually had a lot of um, players that that aren't very trustworthy. Um, you know, we, we went over a few other divisions that were just kind of cut and dry. So, um, but uh, I think that about sums it up for this division. Um, we'll get back at you next week with another AFC division. Um, and as always, stay hungry and stay fat, my friends.